I'm good, man. How are you? I'm fucking awesome. I'm so excited to do this today. Dude, I'm excited to do this today, too. It's been a I, I'm, I'm always stoked to get back people who we like who we've had before. But I've been listening to fucking I've been listening to this new shit for the last little the last like hour or so. Hey, I'm fucking stoked. Are you stoked? Me too, dude. It's great. Yeah, I've, I, uh, I've been listening to it for like all week. Today is on this very show. We're going to be talking with Lisa Mann. Lisa motherfucking man. Who fucking rules. And we know her. We've had her on here before with her project, White Crone, which of course kicks ass. But what you don't know, or maybe what you do know, is that Lisa Mann also sings for a band called Splintered Throne. And they just dropped some new shit that is absolutely fucking on fire old school speed metal feeling shit that I am having an absolute blast listening to. I cannot wait to chat with her, man. Me too, man. I've wanted to get her back on like really ever since we've did, we did that first episode. So I'm psyched, man. <laughs> ever, ever since the day we had to cancel. Cause I got lost that time. Was that it? Yeah, that was the, that was the day that I went on that run and I, I, I was still relatively new to the DC area and oh, I ran yeah. on that, I ran on that trail, <laughs> which I later found out is, is well known for, uh, for ensnaring people like this. But like, I didn't know how long the trail went. I couldn't figure out a way to get off the trail and get back on the main road. So like I ended up in fucking Maryland, uh, almost like way, way, way out by the border. So like, it was uh, an interesting day and I did like a total of 15 fucking miles and it was very hot outside. I recall that. And, uh, I was listening to aspects. I also recall that. Wow. That's good, man. That's good. I don't remember. I mean, I do remember you getting lost, but I didn't remember that. Lisa. <laughs> yes. It was, it was Lisa. We're definitely nice. gonna, I'll apologize for that and be like, Hey, guess what? I'm on time tonight. We're back. We are back. We're going to talk to her about some Fucking, you're back with Waterloo. I got classic, just lemon water. I got you a classic, no, straight up lemon water. I'm drinking lemon. I'm fucking with the Waterloo Blackberry Lemonade. They've, I guess, they got some new flavors that are popping out here and there. The passion fruit is also fantastic, and the cranberry lime. No, it's not cranberry lime. It's uh, it's 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 cherry limeade. Yeah, yeah, that's some good shit. That's that some good shit. shit. Is the that is that is the shit, man. They're the, these sparkling water wanting water flavors are not fucking around these days. They're not, man. They're like they're the the R and D departments at these water companies are just sitting there thinking shit up, coming up with combinations, saying to themselves, "How do we make this water more than water?" And they're doing it. They're doing it. It's important to stay hydrated out there, everybody. It is, man. You know, dude. Even as temperatures drop. Definitely, especially as temperatures drop. Stay hydrated, baby. Dude, I will change your life if you don't, if you're not hydrated properly, try this. As soon as you wake up in the morning, half a lemon, half a lime, squeeze that into a big ass cup of water and just drink that fucker every morning as soon as you wake up and you will feel so much different. You don't believe me? Everybody listening, try it. That is my remedy for hydration. Get those electrolytes in, maybe some Himalayan pink salt. If you're feeling fucking crazy, you want some trace minerals in there. That is the thing. Don't add vodka to it till later, though. Yeah, wait until I, later before you get drunk. But <laughs> <laughs> or not, or, or just, not, or just see what Lisa Mann has to say on the subject. Because I would like to know what Lisa getting Mann drunk has to say. and being dehydrated off of uh, heavy metal, off of and fucking awesomeness, off of riffs. We are drunk off riffs with fucking Lisa. Lisa Mann, Mann is back, back. everybody. The greatest with you. her presence. How? are you lisa i'm doing all right man i'm hanging in there anyway 
<laughs> you're fucking kicking ass as we all what man. you're doing all right thank you we uh we were we were just having a brief conversation uh about splintered throne uh before you came on right this on. is some fucking mean speed metal man That's like awesome. you you are really and, and like hearing your voice in it has just been has been really awesome like tell us you know i think the last time we talked we were sort of you were just beginning that journey if i'm not mistaken i think that you had made contact with the band but i don't know if you were in it yet Oh, maybe so. Maybe so. It's it's wow. It's, that was right when that was going on. Yeah, I think it, yeah, it was. Uh, I'm pretty sure that this was relatively new news at the time. Um, yeah. and of course, you were stoked about it, and we were stoked to hear about it. But we were also talking about White Chrome because that was relatively recent, and I, I'm not sure how much uh how much work with Splintered Throne had actually been done at that time. But like here we are, all this time later, and you you've established yourself with the band. Like, tell us about it. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. You know, um. Yeah, I'm, you know, for listeners, I guess I'm a blues musician yeah. by trade, but I grew up playing metal and I, you know, decided to do this like one woman project, White Crown, back in 2020. And thank you guys for for taking notice of that and for having me on show and talking about that. But such a I, record. I was, well, thank you. Thank you very much. It's like baby's first guitar solo. <laughs> so I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> I'm a bass player, man. Those strings are so small. They Don't get... tell anybody and they wouldn't even know. <laughs> All right. That's great, man. But I was a fan of Splintered Throne and I had seen them at some shows in Portland and I actually saw them. I saw them. It's not, the last in line. I think it was Dio Disciples. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I had seen them and I bought this. Here, I got the CDs. I bought this CD, the Redline CD there. Mm -hmm. So I had it in my car. You know, it was in my, you know, I fucking listen to CDs. Yes, I do. Hey, you they see sound, what's going on behind me right quality. now. I you, see it. I you're see in good it. company. Right on. Excellent. I like sound quality. Oh, so anyway, insane. I was a fan and I went to see Flotsam and Jetsam. And I didn't even know they were opening. And uh, I was in the front row and watching them. And then their lead singer says, oh, by the way, this is my last gig with the band. I'm leaving the band. And they had like this heartfelt goodbye kind of thing. And I was with my friend. Her name's Lisa, too. And she goes, go talk to him. I'll, you know, go talk to him after the show. And so I did. And we set up an audition. They were doing auditions at the time. And I I got the gig. And, and maybe that's when we... That must have been right about when we spoke last. I think I think so. Yeah. Well, uh, next time you see Lisa, next time you see other Lisa, obviously tell her we said thanks. Yeah, um, because I'm going to see her this weekend. This yeah. has turned out to be a very fortunate meeting for for everybody involved. Um, so yeah. we, you know, you you briefly touched on, and we talked about this a lot last time we had you on about your blues background and about your current uh, position with with as a, as a blues bass player um, mm -hmm. and as a musician. Um, let's sort of talk, let's have that same conversation and, and sort of this time around with splintered throne as the end point. Um, yeah. so give us a little, give us a little background on sort of your history with music, uh, for the people who weren't around last time. Tell us a little bit about how you got into the heavy stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, I grew up in the 19 <laughs> and my parents, my mom was into singers. She was into like Judy Garland and, and Barbara Streisand, she played those records, but they had a rec big record, one of the big ass record players, you know, with the covers in the bottom, and that's where you put the records. Yeah. So she would play all those kind of belter singers. And, and my dad had like Steppenwolf, Led Zeppelin, Cream, Black Sabbath, 
uh, Deep Purple, man. Machine Head, yeah. Deep Purple. And for some reason, when I listen to those records, I really heard the bass in my head. It's just I heard the bass. I was a Kiss fan, too. I was one of them little kid Kiss fans, you know? Mm -hmm. I dressed up as Gene Simmons on Halloween when I was seven. That's All the other awesome. girls are like, I'm a princess. And I'm like, <laughs> spitting blood. I am a demon. <laughs> so I Excellent. just wanted to be a bass player when I was like seven years old, which is, I'm sure that's kind of weird. I don't, so I mean, weird. maybe I wanted to be a cow when I was a little kid. You wanted to be very a cow. Little, yes, that was what I told my parents. It was a well-established fact that when I grew up, I was going to be a cow. So I feel like wanting to be a bass player in second grade, you're probably ahead of the curve if, if you were in my class. Yeah, nobody wants to eat a bass player. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Player. I don't know if I don't know if I was old enough Dude. to make that connection. Gene Simmons <laughs> yeah, might be maybe. the most slept-on bass player and like rock music. I feel like Kiss does like not get enough credit for how good of a bass player Gene Simmons is. I feel like you know, and that's because he modeled himself after Paul McCartney. Straight up, yeah. And so a lot of his bass lines have a lot of mood especially those early records man they're very pop influence yeah and they have a lot of movement in the bass line that's not just following the guitar and right. so that's the kind of stuff i i came up with was kiss and and the beatles and wings and stuff like that but also like you know heavy riff based stuff that was blues based but it was also the roots of heavy metal mm -hmm. so people think i mean people today think it's weird that i'm a blues musician i you know i pretty well known in the blues scene i've won some awards and oh, yeah. world and stuff like that but you know people are like she's doing metal too i don't get it i don't understand it but to me it's like it all it all has this nexus yeah this, like, tony iomi i was gonna say and that nexus, nexus is tony iomi <laughs> that right. nexus is black sabbath yeah i mean that's one of the, th the one of the most interesting ways that i ever heard it put was on that uh heavy heavy uh what was it headbangers journey heavy metal a headbangers journey that oh, the documentary yeah. that sam dunn did and that he you know he has a conversation with a number of different musicians about sort of the history of heavy metal music and, and randy blythe from the lamb of god like was was like yeah, you know the the roots of metal music are in blues the roots of metal music are in like the, the music of oppression or they're in slave music and you and you can sort of trace that lineage back musically um to 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 earlier times in this country and sort of influences that were brought in from other places and i did that it just clicked for me at that moment you know those many years ago like there is a lot of similarity there and i on the outside of it not being a musician you know had never really noticed that those things were similar yeah and you know you listen to well i mean just just distorted guitar yeah there was this guitar player named pat Hare, and he was the first to like deliberately distort his guitar tone and uh i think he's saying a shot about shooting his woman and then he shot his woman and i mean you can't get more like <laughs> pretty you know, dirty blues pretty brutal man. <laughs> man pretty brutal dude you know but um and then uh you think about uh singing yeah and listen to howlin wolf yeah. and this gruff vocal you know and then it was later on it was white dudes like gene simmons who would model themselves after and john k from steppenwolf that had that real grit started adding that grit to their voice I mean that came from blues too yeah it's yeah. just as weird because it's like in blues is the shuffle and the shuffle is all everything is about around the shuffle and what's odd is like he heavy metal got or raw hard rock music got this it had this shuffle and the proto metal i suppose you call it yeah. and then this classical influence came in 
classical music, you know, the proggy kind of stuff. And then they stripped the blues out and like yeah. straightened out the beat, except for hair bands. The they hair kept bands going. kept the shuffle. Uh, <laughs> give us a, give us some specific examples man. give us give us some examples of like yeah. the shuffle for people who may not be familiar with what that means oh you know we go oh baby you don't have to go all right let's all go. right yeah, yeah, yeah let's go all right i'm yeah. feeling it now i don't i i was unaware of that that term but like i definitely recognize sort of the trope that you're doing or the the the, the genre convention that i'm it's, hearing it's, there it's the rhythm yeah you know it's that it's that rhythm but you also hear you know even like van helen they would check it check it check it yeah yeah sure that's blues man yeah 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 and so coming up, you know, you're hearing these bass sounds, you're, you're getting into different kinds of music, you're hearing the bass in Kiss. Um, when, did you, when did you actually pick up the instrument? When did you get started? I played bass on my mom's acoustic guitar when I was a little kid. And I played bass lines on this old rickety piano we had in the basement. So I wanted to buy a bass. And one day I was walking downtown Charleston, West Virginia. I was 11 years old. I stopped in B&B Loans. And I saw a Beatle copy bass. I think it's called an Apollo. It's a Japanese bass that's like got a scroll on the headstock, but it looks like a violin. Mm -hmm. And it was there for $237.25. So I started saving my lunch money to buy that bass when I was 11 years old. I walked home from school every day. I'd eat like a can of beans for lunch. <laughs> I was like malnourished so I could buy this bass, man. So that's when I started doing that. I was Brutal. playing along Machine Head. You know, Deep Purple, it was like, that was the first kind of bass lines I learned and Led Zeppelin and stuff like that. Later, I got into Ozzy, Bob Daisley. Uh, actually, what really set me off, somebody, a friend of mine gave me a copy of Iron Maiden Killers. Okay. Lit, man. The first five records, man. Blah, 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 I just play all day and singing along with Bruce Dickinson, too. Yeah. So that was a big vocal influence on me. Yeah, and you can... You can definitely, I was going to say, the Dio, the Dio influence on your vocals is fucking undeniable in the best yeah. way possible. Well, thank the, you. Yes, that was, I remember that being, that was part of the, uh, part of the promo, I believe, for the White Crone record. Yeah. Um, was that there was some, some Dio style uh, power vocals. And I was like, all right, man, now I'm in. And so that, that, that was one of the things that brought me to, to the table to check it out. And it ended up being 100% correct. Um, and also just a really cool twist that you ended up putting on it. When did you start? So you buy your bass when you're a kid, mm -hmm. um, 200, over $200 is a very impressive amount for a child to save up uh, off of allowance. So well, like, my, my grandpa did pay for the last 80 bucks. Well, uh, thanks grandpa. That was All pretty right. cool. We, uh, we stand grandpa. Um, <laughs> we, so <laughs> he was an old coot, but he did something good for me. He did something. He helped out, right? He put you on this yeah. path or he at least helped, helped, Help helped you take a step down the path. So you buy the bass, you're practicing at home. When did you sort of get the bug to start playing with other folks? When did you when did you first start collaborating? Yeah, well, I was in uh, I was in Charleston when I was a kid. Moved out to uh, uh, Portland. My mom had moved out here, and I was a teenager. And actually, I didn't really play in a lot. Actually, the first band I played in. I'll take that back. The first band I played in, I was 15 years old. It was a band called Dead Conspiracy. They later went on, you know, they kept going as a 
as kind of a punk crossover band. So we were definitely like a crossover band. Everybody Sick. was into like, you know, that whole Cro-Mags and Dr. No and that kind of shit. Yeah. And, uh, we did four gigs at this really skanky club <laughs> called the Satyricon. And it's like the CBGB of Portland. I mean, it's like, if you ever set foot in that bathroom, you do not need a shot for COVID. You you got you, you are immune <laughs> to everything. <laughs> you, you've you've gone through the gauntlet. Is that place still around? No, they tore it down, and actually, somebody went through and gathered up a bunch of the rubble and made necklaces out of it. That's cool. So I have a, I have a necklace that just is like a little glass vial with a chunk of the famous uh, that's, or infamous satyricon dude that's awesome i wonder if it was a bathroom chunk maybe you have maybe. maybe you get to carry that you can carry that uh that immunity with you everywhere you go that's well that's it. a a cool a cool trip into it so four gigs and then what and then they wanted to play with the mentors and i didn't because i was a girl and i thought they were not nice to girls so okay. i was like i didn't want to do it and I kind of look back going, well, I could have opened for the mentors, but yeah, but you stuck up for yourself. I, I mean, stuck up for myself. You did what you thought was right at the time. That's cool, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's just say it was a bad scene. It was I a can... bad scene because these neo-Nazis in L.A. were getting busted by the, co- by the cops. And so they were moving up to Portland. It was a, it was a big mess. Oh, geez. It okay. ended with Mula Gator Seurat being murdered. It was just a big bunch of Nazis sidling up to all the young. This dudes. is, I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about right now. This sounds crazy though. Like, oh yeah, some sort of oh, mass yeah. exodus of like skinheads from LA to Oregon, and then yes, somebody they, got killed. They, they basically no. They took they took over. You know, there's a famous case in Portland. Uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center took on the case and won. You you gotta you gotta check this shit out. I, I, I know. I'm I'm there was I'm a very big curious. Nazi scene in Portland and they basically got ran the fuck out of town. What up? But at Portland? the time they were coming to the Satyricon and me, little little Jewish girl, yeah, I look real white, but me, little Jewish girl, I was like, no, I'm out of this scene. So I'm on some so the mentors are like a like a skinhead skinhead. I, I'm unfamiliar with the oh uh, the mentors, they write songs called like Find her, feel her, fuck her, forget her. Oh, okay. we're going through your purse, and just all their songs are just about how much real, real highbrow women, shit. Women suck, and they hate women, and they have pictures of themselves with like guns against women's heads, and oh, sure. it's yeah, just, like really boring. sexist. And they say, "Oh, it's just a shtick," but it's like, you know, yeah, it's shtick over there. It's fine. Yeah, and if it makes all you feel a certain way, then the way that you feel about it is completely valid. And I, I can only imagine what being a woman being a being a girl you know in the yeah. in, in a metal scene at that time especially when at the conventions time. and we've hopefully we like to think that we've changed and i think to a degree we have i think there's still a lot of stuff oh. that we as a metal community have to work on but i can only imagine that being a difficult time to be a woman playing this kind of music and and now i feel so welcomed awesome that's really good that's really good to hear yeah i really do i mean things are still very compartmentalized but they are the same thing in the blues scene yeah I you can know, imagine. Because you'll end up on the the women's stage. Pardon my, I got my, I cut myself. What'd you do? Did you uh, did you cut off a chunk of your finger in an industrial accident in Birmingham, England? Is there a new sound coming? Yes, and this is made out of coal. Perfect, perfect. Oh God, what'd you do? What'd you do? 
Oh, I was just cleaning a pair of scissors. There was oh, like sticky tape on it. We got to come up with a better story than that. You got to like an axe fight or something like that. But yeah. so uh, anyway, kind of a I, I, anyway, uh, well, cheers to Portland, Oregon for for cleaning out the riffraff. Um, how oh, did okay. where did things go for you from there? You decided you didn't want to play the show. So you left the band. What happened next? I left the band and later, like I, I got into top 40. I mean, I could say I wasted a lot of time playing in cover bands, playing in nightclubs, but I played every kind of music. Yeah. I was in a dance band. I played funk. We played hard rock. Um, I was in a reggae band. I was in a fucking Irish drinking song band. You know, I played, <laughs> so every, I played in country <laughs> bands, you name it, soul jazz, all that kind of stuff. And so you just learn about you know if you don't just go through the motions i mean i really learned a lot about about music and how music worked yeah. and i took a uh, i took a couple of uh, years or one year actually of music theory and all that really did for me was validate all the shit i'd already been learning just there you go nightclubs. but That's... it wasn't until later that i decided you know i'm going to start doing original music I am I am kind of curious about so it wasn't original music it was mostly covers but all these different oh, yeah. kinds of genres that you were playing in I can only imagine that being like a really really productive place for any kind of musician to cut their teeth right um while you were sort of building that repertoire or anything even though you were playing uh cover songs did you work with any musicians who were doing original music and I'm just curious about if you did whether or not that writing process was markedly different from what we expect in metal you know, I did not. Okay. I did not until I started doing blues. Well, we can, I mean, we can talk, we can certainly talk about that later. Yeah, uh, that, that I, as well. I did not until later on. But, you know, songwriting is songwriting. Yeah. Depends on your vocabulary. Oh, and yeah. I guess that's I had true. later on going into metal out of blues because my contemporary blues has a lot of R&B and soul influences Motown and Stax and stuff like that. So that's more where I'm coming from. And there's some country influence with that too. But with metal, all this stuff just started coming out of my head. Actually, it was after I heard Ghost. You know, oh, really? So that's the butt of a lot of jokes, but I I don't I don't know if we talked about that. I don't know no? if we talked about that last time we had you on here. No. So that obviously we're skipping a big gap of time here, but you yeah. know, all these, you know, you, you, you spend a lot of time, not only getting familiar with all these different kinds of music, but then becoming a bass musician or becoming a mm -hmm. blues musician, writing your own music, yeah. getting a lot of recognition, having a really successful career. Um, and then you hear ghost and decide that you want to do some heavy shit that rules. Oh, I didn't decide. You it had to started coming out of my brain. I'm, I'm a member of the recording Academy. Mm -hmm. And so I was voting in the Grammys and because I know metal, I choose to vote in that category too. So I did do all the blues categories. I do some like, you know, traditional R and B category, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I go to metal, you know, the metal performance category. And I hear, heard Cerise. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, it's like Slayer, but slower, you know? And in the exactly. beginning and and then there's this mr friendly voice that comes in and just this really odd arrangement of like wait a minute the chorus is quieter than the verse what the hell is this it's really clever yeah and so i remember even like coming in the next room with my husband with my phone going listen to this this is nuts this is crazy stuff man this is really good songwriting and so soon after that i'd be like washing my hair and i'd like hear a bass line in my head 
Yeah. You know, and I'd have to go singing in my phone. And then I'd be like taking a walk and I'd hear like a vocal part or driving my car or just all this. And I just started singing shit in my phone and playing bass lines. You know, I've got a DAW at home. I use Samplitude. Mm-hmm. I just started, it just started coming out this white crone stuff eventually. And so when did you, what was the, you, you've got these riffs and everything coming to you and you're sort of writing this thing piecemeal. Like, when did you know for a fact that this was going to be a project? When were you like, okay, I need to give this thing a name and I need to start thinking about putting all this stuff together. Like how did, how did it go from just sort of ideas in the shower to like an actual album collaborating with musicians that you know and like, and then, you know, finding an audience. Yeah. For white crone, it was, um, it was just after I had like six songs, I think six or seven songs that were almost complete. Mm-hmm. And so then I had to decide, am I going to freak people out as established blues musician and put out a, a metal album? And then there was also part of me that, and this has to do with my most recent blues EP, Old Girl. Mm. I wrote the song Old Girl when I was thinking, should I release this metal album? Because I'm too old and no one's going to accept me. Turned out to be bullshit. Yeah. And people are like, they love it, man. They're fine. They're cool. You know, I get compared to women, uh, other women my age, like Leather Leone. I'm like, if you're going to compare me to Leather Leone, fuck yeah, I'll take it. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. I fucking appreciate that. But um, yeah, I just thought, I think this is objectively good. I think these songs are objectively good. Um, I I just have this vocabulary from playing along with uh, uh, like Timmy, uh, Timmy Hansen of Merciful Fate and just these, you know, tritones and half diminished scales and all Mm -hmm. this stuff. And it just all came together. And, and I, I just thought it, it, it was a, I thought it was something that I would have bought when I was 16 years old. Isn't that a good feeling? It is. To like make something that you know yourself that you would enjoy, that you enjoy now, but also when you can say like, man, if I'd heard this shit when I was a kid, I would have been super stoked on this. That's like, that That to me is one of the most rewarding experiences I think about creating yeah. anything. And that was the clincher. That's why I decided to release it. So you decided to release it. You put together some folks to play with you. Who all did you have on there again? There were some big names on there. I mostly had me, me, and me. Yeah, so but who was who played drums I for played you? I played most of the guitars, and Larry London played most of the drums. He was on a project called Cry for Eden that I worked on a while ago. He's a, he's Sick. an instructor. He's amazing. And then I got Vinny Apice to play on one track. Yeah, and he, he had played on a track for me before in my blues project. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had established this remote recording, you know, yeah. relationship. So I asked him again, I was like, you know, playing a metal track and send him the track. And and he did it remotely and sent it back. And it was amazing. Under Hagstones, it's like 58 beats per minute or something. And nobody could do that like. Vinny he's he's got the guy's got a style the guy's he's absolutely legendary on this show like we uh we yeah. obviously love his output um and it was you know i 
I not being too up on the, not being up at all on the blues world, right? And just being really unfamiliar with what that landscape looks like right now. When I see a name like Vinny Apathy involved, like that jumps out at me, like that lends, you know, that lends it credibility. And that was one of the, one of the first things I noticed. I was like, holy shit, look who's playing drums on one of these songs on this record. And then you start to listen to it and you realize like just how individual, just how fresh there's like this really, this, this, this big sort of welcoming embrace of traditional metal um sort of genre conventions and the things that we expect there but also like there's just this really cool like youthful vigor i think that's coming through those songs and so you can feel the excitement in them and uh, obviously that resonated with people obviously white crone did great um a lot of people sort of you ended up on, on on the metal radar right um as well as on the blues radar and so this leads us all the way up to you joining splintered uh splintered throne you you're you're fucking me up because on your uh on your your twitter oh, handle now twitter. is yes i'm like splintered Cr- split white throat no fuck splintered <laughs> throne um so you're at the show the singer's bouncing out you and your friend are like hey maybe i should go and see what's going on we fast forward past the audition and you guys are getting together Tell us about coming into that unit. Like, what was the priority? Was it writing music or playing shows? What were you guys trying to do? What was the landscape like when you first hooked up? Yeah, I mean, making this album was the first priority uh, from the Mm get-go. And at at first I came in, I learned a bunch of their material that Brian Garrison had sung. And so that's what we rehearsed. But um, then we just, you know, Jason Moser, he's the main songwriting uh, engine behind the band and uh you know we started working on a couple of songs we had a change of personnel of one of the guitar players um and now matt dorado is playing guitar had fred osborne before um so there were a couple of changes but then the the damn pandemic hit and so we ended up having to work remotely um i i have autoimmune it's like i gotta be careful i can't be you know yeah yeah, wear, yeah i wear my mask i just take care I me get my too vaccines, whatever not too worried about it but we just started sharing files and he would write these you know songs or sections of songs mm-hmm. even had one song the crossing he said he wrote he wrote most of that a long time ago and he would give me like an idea or a name uh he like the crossing he wanted the song to be about ships or shipwreck or something and so I did I did some Googling and I found out about this Abu Bakr, I think he was. He's the king of Mali, who was like the super rich. He was like the richest man in the world. And he was this king and he had, took all his ships to go find even more gold because, you know, you can't have enough gold. Sure and they all died, you know, all these, <laughs> they never returned. So I was like, yeah, that's a story right there. There you go. That's so, what. Yeah, we just went back and forth. And because I'm a musician, I would change a few chords here and there to fit the vocal parts I was writing. Mm-hmm. Do you, so do you have, like up until this point, and I, I don't know exactly how close you guys' relationship is writing-wise, but have you ever had any sort of like long-term experience with a writing partner or with somebody who you uh, feel like you're a particularly good songwriting team with? Or is that... No. No, never in the past? Always wrote by myself. And so I don't really accept now the, the, before that is true. Uh, some years ago, cry for Eden. Mm-hmm. That's a project um, that I, I co wrote, I, I wrote the vocals. Somebody gave me the music and that was all pretty much done. Mm-hmm. And I wrote some vocal 
uh, the, he already had a writing partner that had written a lot of the vocals that I took over. Yeah. Um, cause they wanted, now this was cry for Eden or splinter cry for Eden. Okay. Okay. So that was the, that, that project, you know, and I've been hired to do some stuff mm -hmm. work for hire, but really I always wrote by myself, man. It was just be like stuff I heard in my head and singing yeah. in my phone later. I'd scratch it out of my DAW, get to, you know, get together with some blues musicians, hash things out, um, knock it out in the studio. You know, I make records. That's what I do. Yeah. And, um, you know, but I always did it by myself, and it's it, it it seemed like it was it'd be weird to co-write with somebody. But Interesting. With, with Jason, it's just natural because he and I have the same vocabulary. Now he's always played metal. That's true. But me, I'm like the unfrozen cave woman of metal. <laughs> you come out I'm to it. You just out of it for so long, and so people are like, oh man, it's like real authentic classic metal. That's because in the '90s, I was just like. Oh, Flea and Primus and, yeah, you know, Fishbone. I'm, I'm like over here in Mark Kingland slapping and popping. And so one of the things that, that I, I like to hear musicians talk about is just especially people who have always been like either like always a collaborator or always a solo person having to switch and, and, and dive into sort of a new relationship like that. Um, working with Jason, finding sort of, you know, putting together Splinter Throne stuff and looking at their history, looking at your history. Um, did any, did you, did you figure anything out about your writing process this far along? Did anything change for you, like having sort of a partner involved? Yeah, you have to like resist the urge to just take over. Yeah. And I had, let's change this and let's change that. I always fail at that on this show. And uh, Zach is uh, living proof of that as he, I don't believe, has received the chance to say anything. I yet. didn't know if Zach was just like, I'm, I'm busy. He's now. the referee. It's me, man. I can't I can't shut the fuck up. But but also you have like the, you have like a really cool story. And I, I have all these questions that I want to that I want to ask. And I'm blabbing a lot. No, you're not. You're, I'm a listener. Just... I'm a chill mediator of the conversation. You know, me on the Frankenstein well, hanging out in the background. You want to hop in? <laughs> uh, hop actually, in I kind of kind of wanted to. Uh, I know you mentioned last time, Lisa, that uh, you were a bodybuilder for a while. And since we are the yeah. Death Comes Lifting podcast, kind of wanted to dive into that a little bit. Um, what I'm do you do to stay in shape these days? Well... You're kicking ass. Well, yeah, you know, I just do calisthenics. That's pretty Sweet. much it. Nice. You know? Don't have and, to leave the uh, house. Do, do it from home. Yeah. And nice. so I'm, I'm just not into that. I had to give up bodybuilding because I was taking too many pain pills. And oh, yeah, later I, you know, I've got, you know, my hands bother me a lot. So um, yeah, I just found different ways to kind of like on the countertop, I could just do like tricep dips totally. yeah. on on the kitchen counter with my foot on a chair i don't yeah. need to go to a gym to do that i can do stuff with a towel i can i can do my you know i i just do my my shoulders with a towel some know? prison stuff yeah you know that's awesome. Awesome. i was i was just about to say yeah. that that's what i did man prison Salt shit left that's what i'm talking about do you left. stretch and do yoga or anything like that um no not too much you know but i i do some exercises like yeah you know, some rehab because i messed my knee up and and so i i try to do those at home 
I probably should be doing more. Yeah, and man. so when you guys asked me to do this again, I was like, you know, I got to I got to keep up on my PT and my exercises and stuff. And I just, you know, I do push-ups and That's cool. You. Are you a, I never really watched a video of you perform live, I don't think. Are you a, a physical uh performer? You know, do you do you dance around or uh yeah, there. anything like I that? I kind of hammer. Oh, oh, you, you, you mean, kick, you know what I mean? A little bit, yeah. you know, in Splinter Throne I try to run around. Yeah, you know, that's fucking awesome. Life. That's what's yeah. up. Bruce Dickinson. Yeah. And so here's something else I do, Zach. Yeah. When I'm going through the splintered throne set at home, I am on my feet and sometimes I'm jumping up and down. There you go. Or I'm just yeah. running back and forth or just running in place. That's you know, be, you and I got that from Bruce Dickinson because he rollerblades while he's going through his set. No yeah. shit. That's I I didn't know that. But that Can you imagine. Uh, he's like walking your breath. dog and here yeah. comes bruce tickets and singing his pop yeah! skates sliding yeah. by on a roll i love it man i, I wish yeah, that he would awesome. do that shit on stage and it, it one of the things about splinter throne is that it is very movement oriented music right you can definitely feel that classic influence um i have been really into a, a band called bewitcher over the last year or so and they are Yes, six, six, six speed metal band. Um, and one of the things that jumped out at me, uh, with the new Splintered Throne album was just the uh, the, the amount of, of speed metal influence on that. So, the record's called The Greater Good of Man, um, came out August 19th. Tell us a little bit about sort of the preparation for that. I know that uh, we've talked a little about uh, a little bit about the writing process, but uh, tell us a little bit about finishing the album, about getting ready to do something with it, sort of what what the stance was all that yeah well we were glad to finally just get in the studio and knock it out and we mm -hmm. did it at opal studio uh kevin hahn uh mixed and mastered it and, and he works with a lot of different artists he works with me as a blues artist he works with a lot of rock and metal artists uh he did some work for the scorpions a little while ago sick did, did their drums and um so we we were just glad to finally it was a long process. It was, you know, because, because of the pandemic and scheduling issues and shit like that. So yeah. we, we were glad to just finally get it done. We decided to put it in a four panel wallet because we knew that this would be popular in Germany, the UK, Europeans, yeah. man, they love this classic shit, man. Yeah. So we've been sending them, we've been mailing a lot of these like to Germany and stuff. So we decided to do this. We got the artwork done. Jan Taylor does the artwork for my blue stuff. And uh, she put together my white crone. So I had kind of my, you know, team of people. They have their team of people too. We've, we, uh, I used a C squared uh, promotion. Mm -hmm. Also did a little bit with uh, Zach Moonshine over there at uh, Metal Devastation Radio to do PR. Cool. But uh, yeah, C squared has, you know, shout out shout out to curtis shout out to c squared we love we love them yeah they're awesome so we're just trying to get the word out really. how's, the how's the reception been so far i mean you guys are fucking mailing boxes and boxes of these things you guys knew it was going to be so big in europe that you made the packaging lighter that's fucking that's playing 4d chess right there that's the, yeah, that's the shit i learned man with white chrome that's how i learned no shit <laughs> That's so how I learned that. I was like, the, what the fuck? All these Germans want my white chrome. 
<laughs> you know, and it's like 16 bucks to send that shit. So I was like, no, non-machinable envelope from now on. There you go. How, so how's the reception been stateside? What's the what's the buzz like? The buzz has been great. I don't think we've gotten any bad reviews at all. Fantastic. We've had some tepid reviews. We've had some people, you know, say something they don't like about the mix or one song they don't like. But pretty much, you know, it's been across the board. You know, a lot of the reviews basically say, you know, we're not breaking any new ground here. Are you, you trying know, to? Said, <laughs> Give but we're not trying to, man. Exactly. Like all yeah. metal. But they say, you know, they that it still sounds fresh. It still fr- sounds uh, creative. It It's not a parody. And that's one thing we yeah. definitely set out that that's fine that there's bands out there that are steel panthering it in the world. Yeah that are you know like stranger things made it more popular the 80s again you know yeah but we don't want to be you know a a parody of ourselves we just want to do what we do and yeah i mean and the you know the music like you said is very well put together even if you're not trying to break new ground when you have people who are so competent and who have done that kind of extensive work within a genre like let them do their thing you know what i mean and that we definitely feel that there's all kinds of really cool narrative stuff going on in the lyrics, like everything. It just feels like it fits together really, really well. Like it feels feels like you should have been in this band the entire time. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I've, oh, been, I've been enjoying the hell out of it. Good, good. All right, now, oh, let's yeah. talk. Let's talk about shows. Are you you mentioned an autoimmune disorder? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Are you so are you out in public? Like, are you guys playing shows or We're playing shows and I just wear a mask? You know, I got my KN95s, man. I've been nice. going to concerts and everything. I just put it on. I don't take it off. I put some chewing gum in, you know, and, and try not to take it off. But, but I do shows. I take my mask off to sing. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm vaccinated. I'm not t- terribly worried about it. Um, but, you know, I just take precautions when I can. Try to, you know, you know, keep it to a minimum. Yeah. But I get up there. I'll take my mask off and I'll I'll sing. Now, did you did you do any White Crone shows? I can't remember if we talked no. about that. No, no, so, because so, like me, 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 and a drummer. Right. Oh, I wasn't sure if you if you maybe tried had to put to. some people together, but it was over the pandemic. Yeah. So yeah, that was a silly question. I, yeah, I wasn't was thinking my, about it. I know it was always intended just to be a recording project. What? Um. So in the past, right? Being a bass player, are you usually? Or is this some of your most? Is this your first time on stage without an instrument? Yes, and it's so weird. Really? I've done a few shows like like I've done. There's an Etta James tribute that I've done. Cool. There's a few, you know, holiday shows or where whatever where I just sing. And I'm like, what do I do with my hands, man? <laughs> I don't know. Now you got to run around and do the fucking. You got to man commit the to the gag. Yeah, do the oranges. Do the fucking all that like. I would just, if I were you, I would be straight up watching Bruce Dickinson and being like, I'm going to do that because it is so theatrical and it's such an awesome part of this music's tradition and this music's legacy. Like there are, like we talked about earlier, there are a lot of things about metal specifically in our history, but also very much in our present day that, you know, I'm not particularly proud of that. I feel like we as a community can, can do a lot of work on, right. We have a lot of work ahead of us. Um, But I don't want to necessarily cheat some of the, some of the more, um, colorful and really sort of traditions that we can be proud of and one of those i think is the bombastic stage presence of music from that era 
and um, seeing how that sort of plays out in, you know, with current audiences and with current expectations from live music. Um, it's just a really cool thing to to think about. And and hopefully, you know, I would love it would be great to see to see Splinter Throne one day or at least see like a live video or something like that. Is there anywhere anybody can run down anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. There's actually some live footage. It's not the best footage in the world, but there's some live footage on our YouTube channel and SplinterThrone.com. I think we put some links up there. Excellent. But, uh, yeah. Check out the YouTube channel. And there's there's some live footage. I wasn't moving around too much. That was a weird stage. When you when you get on a new stage, and especially there's like five of us, man. Yeah. And yeah. so and some of these stages are messed up. <laughs> there's like holes in them. You got to keep your wits tail. about you. They're trying yeah, to keep you like on your toes. Platform, so I'm like like crab walking sideways and shit. So Jesus you know, God. it's a matter of finding your way. That's why we're hoping to play some festivals. Sick. Then I have a heavy playground. Exactly. That's why I love playing the bass. I can run around, you know. Well, hopefully uh, the festival circuit will get wise to this and you guys will be able to crank out some killer shit, play some really good shows, and hopefully we hear more of you with Splintered Throne. Splintered Throne has a record out right now, just came out in August, called The Greater Good of Man. Um, We are talking with Lisa Mann here on the Death Comes Lifting podcast. Lisa, we love you. We are so glad to get the chance to talk with you again. Um, Thank you so much for coming back on the show. As we wind it down, we have a very important question that we ask everybody, and we're getting to ask this question of you for a second time. So feel free to answer differently than you did last time, if you even remember what the question was. It's incredibly important. This is the most important conversation. This is the most important part of this conversation. It's so Zach. important. It's so important that he fucking lets me talk. That Zach, it's so I know. Are you ever going to say Zach anything, Zach? Zach? I, you he's proactive. about to. You're gonna. You're gonna, you're gonna regret. You're gonna regret asking that question because he's <laughs> about to hit you with some difficult shit. Zach, tell Lisa Man what's up. Lisa Man, first of all, we love you. Second of all, what is your favorite Black Sabbath album? What is my favorite Black Sabbath album? Yep, we I ha- I think I have to confess to the same thing that I did last time. Is that I've listened to compilations, uh, so it's hard to say. Fair, it's that hard is fair. To say fair. because it's always like I love this song off this album. I love that song off that album. I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna cheat, and I'm gonna look up their discography. Right do that. Now. Do that. Uh, take your t- yeah, while yeah, you're yeah, doing your that. We, we have time. We while have nothing you, but time. While you're doing that, I'll say that my my introduction to Black Sabbath, at least on my own, was we sold our soul for rock and roll, and I was under the impression yeah. that that was an album when I was a kid. I did not realize that it was like. Yeah, a, a greatest hits type thing. So yeah. don't feel bad. Like that's however it gets to you is however it gets to you. And I do feel like it's really cool to sort of digest those albums um, piecemeal. But then it's also your talk. Are you talking about early Black Sabbath? We're talking about the whole. We're talking about the gamut. Nothing is off limits. Do you prefer the Dio era? Is that uh... this is no? They're just two different things. Okay, very different things. What's your favorite apple slash orange? It's true. It's true. You know. But you know, this is do or die. This is do or die. Lisa, we're gonna. What we're gonna do is say, do you prefer apples over oranges? Yeah. It's hard to say. Well, I mean, when you just say Black Sabbath, I mean, my mind, my mind goes to Aussie era. Yeah. You know, as it should, in my opinion. But yeah. who am I to say? 
Okay, I'm going to say Master of Reality. Huge. Solid, huge. solid choice. That is that yeah. is my Aussie go-to. It's, it's, just, of the Grave, it's one of the fucking greatest Grave? records of all time. Children of, Gra- Children of the Grave was one of the first and only songs I ever learned to play on a guitar. While, yeah. while young Lisa Mann was like, listening to shit and like hearing bass lines in her head and saving all this money to buy a guitar my lazy ass was like uh my parents bought me a guitar and my parents got me guitar lessons and i'm sitting there at guitar lessons lower somebody's trying to teach me roots and trying to teach me scales and all this stuff that you need to be a musician and my dumb ass is like teach me to play a black sabbath song and i learned one and then i quit so that's why we have people like you in the world to continue making music for dumb asses and lazy asses like myself who can't possibly <laughs> continue with it but we, we thank you so much for coming on yeah, um man. splintered throne so what's the easiest place to find uh splintered throne and white crone music go ahead and shout out what you want people to do to track you down go to Bandcamp and buy our shit <laughs> do it splinteredthrone.bandcamp.com you can buy the greater good of man we got t-shirts we got patch patches we also have the previous discography with brian garrison which is the reason why i became a fan Excellent. and why i joined the band That's so cool. you know get some stuff and whitecrone.com and whitecrone.bandcamp.com buy some white crone uh buy a cd uh, I do have a low cost shipping option to Europe Canada, where I can just pop the plastic tray out. <laughs> we so need a white crone hologram like Dio. Because huh? you're like the female Dio. We need just a white crone hologram. We need, yeah, we need a white crone show. We need a white crone show with you live and then yeah. a hologram band behind Make you. Make me that younger. Too. Yeah. Please. Come you. on. You're Make fucking me be younger and with really big tits. <laughs> Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like a we superhero in armor and shit. You are a superhero, Lisa. Let's not bullshit. Thank you so much for your time. We we yeah. love you. We love, love you. you. It's always a blast, and we hope to have you back soon. Uh, thank you. Love you guys, both thank of you. you. Thank, thank you so. Appreciate thank that. you so much. Appreciate that. It means the world. Yeah, we'll we'll talk soon. Have a good night. All right, Mwah. all right, homie. Mwah. What a good dude. Yeah, what a great dude. She's yeah. Every every time, man, like that's the same thing that jumped out about her last time. Like she's so fucking at home in her craft. Like she knows that she's good at what she does. And I feel like not needing to prove that sort of gives her like a I, I don't know, a freedom talking about this kind of shit that sometimes you don't necessarily think about. Like I love how I just love how laid back she is. You know what I mean? When a lot of times musicians think that they're kind of being examined or whatever, she's just yeah. like super open. Like I love this how is, she's chill and yeah, she swears. Yes. And like it's all yes. good. Yeah, I love very, that. very cool. Very killer I like musician. That. I love you. I love you too, man. You're the best. Thanks for doing this. Brother. I gotta start shutting the fuck up. I gotta start shutting the fuck up and making. I mean, me- I like that you're. I'm happy that you're happy. I'm excited that you're excited. I'm. Just, I, I'm not a natural like you know like like that. I don't have that that you have. Uh, you know? I just don't ever. I well, can I give you some of mine so I can yeah. figure out a way to shut the fuck up from time to time? No, for real though, man. Like I, I especially when I'm excited, I have a blast talking about this shit. But I never want to feel like I'm stepping on your toes, man. So you interject. You. Tell me to shut up. Ask your questions. Say your things. I will. I'm gonna make a sign. Do that. Get a sign. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna have a sign. <laughs> Wrap it up, B. <laughs> yeah. No, dude, you're great, man. Thank uh, you. you're great too. Peace out, brother. I love you. We'll talk soon. soon. Absolutely, buddy. Yeah. Word.